Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Would you stand and sing with us? Let's begin our worship, please. Well, good morning. It is so good to see you this morning. Welcome to worship. The Pathfinder Sunday School class will resume today. You'll meet over in the fellowship hall. Our communion offering for today benefits Native American ministries. The scripture reading this morning is Acts 8, 26 to 40. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the end, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road, so he got up and went. 
Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and as returning home, seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard and reading the prophet Isaiah, he, he asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shear, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak and started with the scripture. He proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way. But Philip found himself at Azotus as he was going through the region. He proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesareus. Now let's uh, bow our heads in prayer. Loving God, we gather today to praise you, to tell you of your love, and to give you thanks. We thank you especially for the life revealed to us in Christ Jesus. We thank you for revealing your plan of salvation to us in scripture. Open our hearts and our understanding today as we listen to and meditate upon your scripture. Teach us to abide in Jesus as he abides in you, so that your kingdom might be made known to all. Fill us with your love and grace as we celebrate communion this day. May we leave here reflecting your light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread, your very word spoken to me, and I I'm desperate for you. And I, 
without you This is the air I breathe This is the air I breathe Your holy presence Living in me This is my daily bread This is my daily bread Your very word Spoken to me And I I'm desperate for you And I without you and I I'm desperate for you and I I'm lost without you Father, you are the vine, and we are the branches, and without you, we are nothing. We would be lost. We're desperate for your love. Lord, let your grace and mercy rain down on all of us. Let it rain. Let it rain. gates of heaven let it rain let it rain open the flood gates of heaven let it rain let it rain open the flood gates of heaven let it rain Morning. This is weird. This is weird. I haven't been up here, have I? It's been 13 and a half months since y'all have seen me up here, and since I've been up here, and since I've been able to say the words, I'd like to invite the children forward. And I'm so happy that we're back here. 
Um, just so everybody knows, going forward, since we are still recording, we will have a pew available for the kiddos to sit on, so we don't have to worry about any little baby faces showing up in our videos and all the implications that go on with that. And then after the children's sermon is over, all kids pre-K and up are invited to join us in Spark Worship. We'll exit out of the music room. But it's been a long time, right, guys? Did you guys, did you like 2020? Was it a good year? I saw you shake your head. Was it a good year? Was it a bad year? It was in between? For some people, 2020 was like a really bad year, right? They went through some really hard things. People lost loved ones because of COVID-19, right? Maybe they lost a job and faced a hard time in their family because they didn't have enough money to get stuff done. Maybe they struggled with an illness. Maybe they had somebody they cared about that had COVID, and they struggled through that. It was a hard year for a lot of people, right? Let's sit on our bottoms. I know I'm not right there in front of your faces, but I am right there in front of your faces, right? I see you. I see you. It was a hard year for a lot of people. I know it was a hard year for Miss Jessie. Do you know why? Not because I struggle with those big things, but Miss Jessie likes her routines. Just like I like my coffee, I like to know what I have coming next, and I'm very much a creature of routine. I'm also a homebody, but apparently not when I'm told I have to stay home. When I have to stay home, I want to go all of the places all of the time. So I struggled a lot during 2020 because I felt like I was isolated. I felt alone. Did you guys feel alone at any point? No? Did anybody out there feel alone at any point? When we couldn't get together, we couldn't worship together, we couldn't see our friends and our family. It was a hard thing. And I thought during that time when I was struggling because I couldn't see your kiddos' faces on a Sunday morning because we weren't here together. And instead of talking to you and hearing about your week, I'm talking to a camera. And I'm hoping that you guys get to see it eventually. I was struggling. And I thought to myself, why am I struggling? There's people that are going through so much more stuff. I don't have a right to be struggling right now. I don't, I'm not dealing with the big things. I'm just, I'm just feeling a little bit lonely. But, you know, Jesus, Jesus told us. He told us that we need to stay connected. He tells us seven different things where he says, I am. And the last one he says, I am the vine. I am the true vine. And you are the branches. If you live in me, I will live in you, and you will bear fruit. Have you guys seen a fruit tree? Have you seen an apple tree or maybe a peach tree here in Texas? You have a peach tree. So if there's a branch on the peach tree that's dead, will it grow peaches? No. If there's a, a branch on the peach tree that's fallen off of the tree, will it grow peaches? No. What, what has to happen? It has to be connected to the, the, to the trunk, right? The trunk of the tree. It has to be connected to the trunk, and it has to be connected all the way, Right? It's the same with us. Jesus told us it's the same with us. We have to be connected to him, just like a part of a vine has to be, or the branch has to be connected to the vine, or the branch of the peach tree has to be connected to the trunk. We have to be connected to Jesus, or we will not produce fruit. And those things that he's talking about, fruit, are the things that we get through our faith with Jesus. Joy and peace and patience and kindness, gentleness, understanding, faithfulness, those are all things that Jesus gives us. And when we have those things in our lives, we don't feel lonely. I realized during 2020 that I was feeling lonely because I was disconnected from my community. And even though I could still go to my Bible and I could still pray and I could still talk to Jesus and I had my faith to carry me, 
I didn't have my friends who were walking through it with me. I didn't have all of you out there to challenge me on Sunday mornings to question what's going on. What is it that I actually believe? If you guys ever want to be challenged in your faith, please work with children. They ask the most amazing questions about scripture. And I didn't have that. But I am so happy that we have it now. I'm so happy that you all are back and that we're doing these things. And I hope that we remember as we go out from this place that Jesus is our true vine. And if we're connected to him, if we live in him, he will help us bear fruit and he will make our lives so much better. Right? Who likes peaches? They make everything better, right? Yeah. All right. Will you guys pray? Let's bow our heads, fold our hands, close our eyes. And talk to Jesus. Say, dear Jesus, you are the true vine. And you support us, the branches, in everything we do. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's go to Spark Worship. Good morning. It's good to see all of you here on this beautiful Sunday morning, huh? And we can start measuring rain almost in feet instead of inches, huh? I don't know about y'all, but really, we got, we got a, a 11 and three quarters inches at our house. So, I mean, that's, that is almost a foot, right? So, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's several of you out there. I won't embarrass you by calling you by name, but that I haven't seen in a long time. And it's certainly good to see you this morning. So praise the Lord. Yeah, like Jesse alluded to, or, or actually did more than alluded to it, talked about, we're going to be talking about gardening this morning, right? How many of y'all are gardeners? All right, a good smattering. My wife is. I'm not. I just haul the dirt and get the shovel. The theme of gardening, of course, is one of those themes that goes throughout the Bible. Of course, when, when God created us, God put us in a garden, right? And then there are agricultural metaphors and allegories that go throughout Scripture. Jesus talks about the sower that went out to sow, and also after Jesus' resurrection in John chapter 20, it says that Mary mistook Jesus for the gardener. So uh, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning from John chapter 15. We're going to read the, just the first eight verses, and there's a lot in those eight verses. Consider the word of the Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who sent Jesus to die for us, to rise again to everlasting life, to teach us how to bear fruit and how to make your kingdom known. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, and our salvation. Amen. Well, Jesus is talking here to the 11 disciples. Judas left in chapter 13, verse 30. He's out of here, all right? He's gone to get the police. To, uh, to come and arrest Jesus. Uh, this dialogue that Jesus has, or I guess it's actually it's a monologue, they're not talking back. This particular monologue that Jesus has with the 11 is just with them, and it's just a short while before he does get arrested again in a garden the night before he is crucified. So what he was saying, I believe, he wanted, he really wanted his disciples to get a hold of and to practice. And he starts out by saying that he is the true vine, and his father is the vine dresser, the gardener, the husbandman, whatever adjective we want to use there that applies. Now, throughout Scripture, Israel had been referred to as the vine. In fact, during the reign of the Maccabees, that's where we get Hanukkah, for example, and that we don't read about that much. We don't put that in our Scripture, but some of our Christian brothers and sisters do, and the Maccabees certainly did historically reign in Israel in that time. In that particular time of the Maccabees, on the coins that they had, they actually had a vine to symbolize Israel. And there are numerous places you can read about it. I would encourage you particularly sometime this afternoon or this week, after you do your homework, right, which today is Proverbs chapter 2. Right? And I'm sure all of you read Proverbs chapter 1 yesterday. When you're doing that, look at Psalm 80 and see what it says there. Or you can look at several other places. But Jesus says he is the true vine. He's doing God's will 
Remember, Jesus teaches us, reminds us, encourages us to know that reality is God and God's kingdom. Everything else is temporary. It's going to go away. Israel often forgot that, as we often forget that, I believe. If we remember that all the time, we would be doing what Jesus said here, and we would be able to ask whatever we wanted, and it would be done. Most of you, I don't know if your prayer life is that fruitful. Of course, the kicker is, again, if we are abiding in Jesus, anything that we asked for would be in harmony with God's will. And it would be done. It would take place. Anyway, Jesus says he's the true vine. And he says that the, the vine dresser prunes the vine, right? He cuts the vine. In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 6, it said, God says, he's not going to prune the vine anymore. See, pruning is a good thing. Pruning is a good thing. It allows you to grow fruit. How many of you have ever raised grapes, have grown grapes? Do we have anybody in here with a vineyard? Anybody that uh, grows grapes and makes wine? Or just, okay, so somebody, I haven't. But there are a gazillion really good videos on YouTube about how to grow grapes and how to prune them and how to train them so that they will produce more grapes. There's also another interesting thing about the vine, the grapevine in particular. In the wintertime, it's completely dormant. There's a time for rest in there. Jesus' metaphors are so, so wonderful. They encompass the whole scheme. But there are, there are places on the grapevine where the branches come out and the grapes are produced. And the first year, there will just be one branch comes, that comes out of that. And if you don't prune it, next year there will just be one branch there too. But if you prune it, there will be two. And the closer the, the branch is to the vine, this is another way, this is another reason that, that they're pruned, the bigger the grapes get, the better the fruit is, because it's near. It's analogous to the arteries in our bodies, right? The main arteries, there's a lot of circulation and a lot more oxygen. But as you get out on the periphery, the little ones that are like out in our fingers and in our toes, right? People who start having trouble with their circulation, a lot of times have trouble with their feet and toes and their extremities. It's the same sort of deal. It's, 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 it's a good analogy. When the branch is close to the vine, it bears a lot of fruit. When the branch is cut off from the vine, there's no hope of bearing fruit, and there's no life. That's what happened to Judas when he left. He was cut off from the vine, right? He didn't have any hope at that point of bearing any fruit. 
and he didn't have any hope of life. Went out and killed himself. So when God prunes us, and one way to look at pruning would be to, when God restrains our wild nature, Israel is referred to as a wild grapevine, for example, then and cuts away our selfishness, our dishonesty, our unloving, our lack of purity. When God cuts those things away, we are allowed to produce more fruit, and we do. Jesus goes on to say, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. By the way, in these eight verses, it says bear fruit six times. So it's probably kind of an important idea, okay? In, in these eight verses, it says abide eight times. So uh, that's, that's the point Jesus wants to make too. He says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. What does it mean to abide? The word that's translated abide from the Greek simply means to live in. To live in. That's what it means, to live in. If we abide in Jesus, we live in him. If Jesus abides in us, he lives in us. It means to live. Now, there's a big difference between living in something and just being there, right? It's kind of like the difference between a house and a home. My real estate friends in here sell houses. You know, you know it, it might be a good marketing thing to say they sell homes, but they don't. They sell houses, right? Answer the question for yourself. What's the difference between a house and a home? It's the same thing as the difference in knowing about Jesus and abiding in Jesus, right? Home is where, it's where you want to stay, right? It's where you feel comfortable. It's where you're surrounded by love. That's what abiding means. That what, that's what abiding means. Home is a place where you're reluctant to leave, right? You're reluctant to leave there. All of us in, in, our, in our lives as we were growing up, at some point or other, we left home, right? And you feel what? Homesick. You want to be there. A home is a place where you want to linger, where you want to stay. If you abide in something, you want to linger there. You want to linger there. And that's what Jesus says. It's also, in our faith and in our tradition, it's analogous to if you're abiding in something, you're immersed in it. It's like being baptized, okay? If you're abiding in something, it's just like the song that was sung this morning right before Jesse got up. You breathe. You breathe in the Holy Spirit, right? That's abiding. Or as Paul tells us in Acts chapter 17, in him we live and move and have our being, right? 
That's abiding. That's what it means to abide. And Jesus says, God is glorified by us bearing fruit and being his disciples. By bearing fruit and being his disciples. And again, we learn, we, we, we become able to bear more fruit when, as Jesus said eight times here, when we abide in him, when we abide in him and do what he says. Now, again, it's not just doing what he says. It's wanting to do it. It's being part of you, like when you, again, like when you breathe something in. You can obey the law and still not abide in Jesus. This is one of the things that Jesus meant when he said, unless your righteousness exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because the scribes and the Pharisees were doing what they did for the sake of doing it and for the sake of being seen, you know? We may obey the law most of the time, most of us in, in society, I'm talking about civil law, I'm not talking about Bible law. We may obey the law most of the time, but some of us might really not want to abide there, you know, like around the 15th of April, right? You, but, you, but you do it, you do it because it's the law and you're a good citizen, but it's not something, maybe, maybe it is for some of you, but for most of us, I don't think it's something that our heart is in, right? so to speak. So Jesus again said, you know, if you abide in me, you want to dwell there. You want to linger there. Then you let God take charge. If you're a branch of the true vine, it's right back like Jeremiah said in uh, chapter 18. God is the potter we are the clay, right? We allow God to mold us. When we abide in a place, we're molded by that place, right? Most of us speak differently. We have different accents because we come from different parts of the country, right? You got molded by abiding in that place, in your home. So this morning as we come to the table, I want us to remember if we want to bear fruit, if we want to be students of the Word that became flesh, then the grace is available here for us to do it. Grace, again, is God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. But with God's help, we can do all things, right? Amen. Now go in peace and bear much fruit. And as you do, go with the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
strong and true.